Good man. Is my mic on? Yeah. Uh, it is? Alright. <laughs> my voice is on, and then turn down... The one on the left is like the fourth one. Ambiance. <laughs> well, good morning. How is everybody? <laughs> is everybody awake or falling asleep? <laughs> but are you here to see Jesus or are you here for church? There's a difference. Did you know? Are you here to hear from Jesus or are you here for church? Or are you here to be with friends or are you here to hear from Jesus? He said, where two or three are gathered, I am there in the midst of them. So if you are here in his name, he's in the midst. He's here looking to speak. He's here looking to change you and not leave you the same. And so let's present this meeting before him this morning. If we're not here, and if we're here for us, it's not even a valid Christian meeting. And so, Lord, we present this to you this morning in Jesus' name you would speak. Have your way here this morning in Jesus' name. I'd be satisfied just to sit down and listen. I don't have to get up here and speak, Lord. If it's not you, it's not worth it. It's not worthwhile. So, Lord, that you this morning. We ask for your word to go forth. We ask for your will to take place. We ask for healings. We ask for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, why don't we jump in where we started last week? Has let me back. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but um, we started last week over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And let me get there. Was it 10 or 11? 11. 11. You're right. It wasn't 14. <laughs> It was 14. Ah. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I started in verse 22. It says, therefore, tongues, well, I didn't start there, but I'm going to pick up there. Therefore, tongues are for a sign. You know, speaking in tongues is a sign, not to those who believe, but to the unbelievers, it says. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to the unbelievers. For unbelievers, but those who believe. Prophesying. God wants to speak through you. God wants you to know he's not a silent God. He wants you to know his will and what his plan is. And he uses people. You know, God doesn't indwell buildings. He indwells people. In the Old Testament, he was shut up in a room. And that wasn't his will. In the New Testament, he was released and he dwells in people. He literally wants to dwell, walk in, reside in your body. And so he says, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, so that could be an unbeliever or someone who just doesn't know that God is, do is doing stuff today. It says, if there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say you are out of your mind? Have you ever been to any of those meetings? <laughs> but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is committed by all and he is by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. 
And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. And so God is calling us today to not just come together for church, not just to spend time with your family for the sake of spending time with your family. He's not calling you to go to work, not just for the sake of going to work. The mark of a believer is found in Mark chapter 16. Should we look at it? Yes. Mark chapter 16. Jesus said they will know that you are Christians by your love for one another, did he not? And I think Paul spent a lot of time in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is, this week is Valentine's week, right? <laughs> so he was talking about love, the man. <laughs> oh yeah, well how'd you? <laughs> well, now I know why these are here. <laughs> Mark chapter 16 it's the most least read scripture in all of Christianity. In most churches, they'll quote Matt, or the end of Matthew and talk about the Great Commission, but they will never talk about Mark chapter 16, which is the equivalent. There's only two places Jesus commissioned his church, and it was in Matthew chapter 28. He said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Right? We all know that scripture. But he also said this in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. The first sign, he said, of a believer, the signs that follow a believer, a believing one, one who believes that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is at the right hand of the Father, that he, that he has all authority, and that he is in you. He said the first sign will be they will cast out demons. Then he says, in my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. There's that thing again. Oh my goodness figure <laughs> what's following you they will cast out demons they will speak with new tongues they will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly it will by no means hurt them now I think there's a bunch of people in Florida who think that when they said take up serpents it's literally go pick up some rattlesnakes and juggle <laughs> funny I was in the back I was sitting on my couch yesterday and someone told me that there was a hawk flying by with a snake in its beak <laughs> so, but um it is not walking up and playing with snakes that's not a sign of a believer it is you are being willing to go to the ends of the world to proclaim the name of Jesus and nothing that shows up is able to stop Jesus's works think of Paul he went to that island he got shipwrecked and he went to go get some firewood you know, following Jesus will take you to some weird places. <laughs> if you are following him, it will take you to some places that are not necessarily comfortable. Why do you think we need a comforter? If you're not willing to get uncomfortable, you have no reason to have a comforter. 
And so he went to, he, there was one point, he literally said he was writing a letter to one of the churches. I think it was the Romans. And he said, I am on my way to Spain. So Spain was the very edge of the known world at the time. He was taking this gospel to the ends of the earth. He was obeying Jesus and going to the ends of the earth. He was willing to go. And he believed, he was a believer, as I'm sure you recognize. <laughs> but he was going on this island, it was Miletus? Am I wrong? Malta? Yeah, Malta. And he was picking up some firewood, and this viper jumps out and grabs him in the hand, and it's a poisonous viper. The guys of the island, the natives, were just looking at this guy like, he must be some evil, wicked guy because he escaped the shipwreck. But sure enough, justice or providence, or I don't know what they said, or whatever, will not let this man live. Even now, he's going to die. And so they waited and stared at him. He just shook the thing off into the fire, and it didn't hurt him. You know, I was listening, there was a, a conference I was at um, in May, a Todd White conference, anybody know who that is? Um, but he had just come from a meeting, he said, <laughs> where there was a witch that walked up to the front of the meeting and repented and said, God is surely here because she had poisoned the water from some of the people and none of them had any, had any ailment. Um, that's a sign. <laughs> um, but he said, these signs will follow those who believe in my they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out everywhere and preached. And the Lord, working with them, confirming the words through the accompanying signs. Amen. You see, it's not you who gets the glory. It's not you who has the ability. It's nothing about you. It's just little old you, little young you, <laughs> obeying God. And <laughs> I'm looking at anybody. <laughs> I'm just going to stare at the ceiling. <laughs> It's just little you <laughs> walking and obeying God, submitting your life before him at any cost. If you are not willing to submit your life before him, you will never know him. You know, there's a scripture that is so often quoted in the church, especially for the last maybe 50 years. Flip over to Revelation chapter 12. Every time I hear people read it now, and I hear it all the time, it just chaps me because now I see that we're missing something. <laughs> Every time I prepare for a message, it's very stressful because I come up with all the things that I want to say, and not a once have I ever preached it. <laughs> And so I'm beginning to learn that, God, I'm here talking, listening to you, but at the end of the day, like, it's whatever you want to do, Lord. And so 
He said, don't take any care of what you're going to say when you're brought before <laughs> people. But he said in verse, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Anybody going to shout? <laughs> and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. But guess what? It doesn't end there. And they did not love their lives unto the death. So many people, I mentioned this last week, that I used to be terrified of death. I was literally dying. I was physically dying. God took me off a deathbed. But I was terrified of, what, of missing out the plan of God for my life and perishing before my time, as the Bible says. And he dealt with me. He said, get up and go. <laughs> and so I did. But everything that I was doing was out of fear because I didn't want to miss out on what God wanted me to do. Because I wasn't willing to lay it down on the altar before him. I wasn't willing to lay down my life, everything, and say, God, everything belongs to you. You know, I can just as easily go and start a business, do whatever, make a big empire. And at the end of it all, it's all for who? If we don't live unto his glory, when you stand before him, it's all a waste of time. It's all a waste of time. He said, and they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb. Jesus dealt with your sin before the Father. He washed you clean in your own blood. When you received him, you received that forgiveness of your sin, that washing or blotting out of your sin. And by the word of their testimony, that word for testimony is actually the same word that they get the word martyr. So even when you stand and confess him, it's not just your, yeah, this is what Jesus bought for me. It is, you are there, ready to speak in the name of Jesus before people, even unto death. The reason they call martyrs martyrs is because of this word testimony. They stood up and they were giving a testimony before kings. You go think of people that were murdered, destroyed, their lives wiped out in the Colosseum. The Romans would take Christians by the hundreds and dump them into these places and they would fight the lions and they would have to fend for their lives and when one would die because relentless they would not take back their confession it says in history that sometimes the, the people that were there witnessing would stand up and applaud at those who gave their lives and would give their lives to Jesus when you are bold in your faith, when you are willing to stand at any cost and live for him, Jesus says, that is my child. He is following after me. He is following in my footsteps. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto the death. I'm reminded of Azusa Street hundred something years ago. Reading the stories, obviously none of us were alive. 
But Frank Bartleman was uh, one of the main men who God used to pray in the Azusa Street Revival. Um, William Seymour was the man who God used at the cusp of it. But before, there was an entire move of God happening leading up to that time. And so there was this man, his name was Frank Bartleman. There was another man named something, Bamer or something like that. One was a Baptist minister. One was a holiness preacher. One was, but there were these men and they were crying out to God for revival, for a move of God that would sweep not only Los Angeles, but the entire world. They were believing for the same outpouring that was going on to come there too. And one of the things that they realized was their pride was in the way. <laughs> their pride was in the way. And they used to come to, like, Frank Bartleman would, before church meetings, he would say, why are you all waiting for the pastor to come preach? Why are you waiting for the church to be unlocked? Why are you waiting? Let's pray. Let's get on our faces right now and cry out to God and assemble and put our faces directed at him. And so he would do that. He would go, this was just the things stirring up before that whole event took place. When the meetings finally started happening, when meetings were happening, God was moving, the preachers didn't even get up to preach. They were too busy lying down on their face, repenting, <laughs> asking God to cleanse them of their pride, of the things that they were pursuing. And they would rise up and God would give them just the sense of like, you are clean, go, <laughs> obey me. But God was using just regular people. He was using children. It wasn't the adults that God was doing the most with. There were people that had no, there were homeless people that were coming in with rotten teeth. And children were reaching into their mouths and laying hands on their teeth and getting brand new teeth. The things that God did when man stepped aside and said, God, you have all the glory. Have it all, Lord. Flip over to Luke chapter 12. God is seeking a people who will set their lives forever on hold and say, God, all for your kingdom. Everything for your kingdom who will be willing to lay aside business ventures, who will be willing to lay aside family, take your family with you, but willing to lay down everything for his name's sake. So Luke chapter 12, I'm going to pick up reading, but some of it will be important, but the most of it will begin at verse 13. It says, verse 1, in the meantime, an innumerable multitude people gathered together so that they trampled one another. You see, it was very popular to go to Jesus' meetings. It was the place to be if you were an Israelite. They trampled one another. He began to say to his disciples, first of all, you know, Jesus talks to his disciples. He says certain things, but so often he would say, and to his disciples, he said, I'm reminded of Luke chapter 5, 6, or 7, where it begins the Sermon on the Mount. Same thing over in Matthew chapter 5, but it says in Luke that he said, and he said to his disciples. And so everything that you read Jesus saying, speaking to those who follow him. 
And so he said to his disciples, beware of Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. The leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. You know, so many things that we do, we hope no one sees. <laughs> but he says, everything will be made known. What you said behind closed doors about that person will be made known. You don't go to God and repent and bring it before him, it will be made known. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be made known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. Whatever you have spoken in the ear, in the inner rooms, will be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Don't be afraid of the people who will kill you or, will, or who kill the body. Instead, he'll show you who to fear. He said, fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. It's not my words, it's Jesus' words. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. I was, I was, I think I texted or forwarded this to a bunch of you, but there was a story I was reading. Um, it's this story about these Roman soldiers, and there were these very famous Roman soldiers in the, about 300 AD, and they were Christians. And they were commanded by their officer to bow down to Caesar and worship him as God. And they said, no, we will not. And I think it's like the, the story is like the 40 Roman soldiers or something like that. But, um, and so they said, no, we will not. And so the, the leader, their, their commanding officer said, I need to deal with this rebellion. And so he's looking around, how am I going to deal with it? Would not bow down. And so it was cold. It was wherever they were, it was freezing. So he looked down and down the way and there was this frozen pond. And he said, I know he was feeling sadistic that day. So he said, okay, I'll go send them down to the pond naked and then we'll see who won't bow down and confess, who will not bow down and worship. And so these soldiers joyously stripped themselves of their arms, ran down racing each other who could get there first. What kind of a believer is that? What kind of a Christian is that? Would you do that? They, they raced each other to the pond to die. And so they raced down there, and there were 40 of them. And they sat there, shiver, shivering together in the middle of the cold. And so the leader said, I know what I'll do. I'll put hot baths around the entire pond or lake. 
that'll surely get some of them to bow. And the first one who comes recants their Christianity, recants their faith in Jesus, he'll be allowed to live and he'll be put in the hot bath and he'll live. And so the soldiers began singing a song. Forty soldiers crowded on the ice. And I don't know the whole lyrics to the song. But it, this went on for hours. They did not last the night. In the morning, one of the, one of the guys, actually, yes, in the morning there was one of the um, soldiers. And he came and he left there was one soldier who bowed me, who left and jumped in, like he recanted and he went and jumped in the ice bath, or in the, in the warm bath. And the water was so warm and he was so cold that he died. There was a crowd of people standing up on the hill that were there that were not freezing, that were on the side waiting, trying to get them to come. Said, these foolish Christians, I understand them. There's this, one of them, his mother, is standing up there watching him die. And he's calling out to the mom, saying, Mom, like, mother, go get your, your son. It was the youngest one was her son. And he's, like, and she's responded to him, I will not take away his glory where he will stand before God and with his fellow comrades. He said, hurry, son, don't be the last one to arrive before your heavenly father. So her, his mother was saying, I will not hold back the glory that he will have standing before God. And so at the end of it, when they were all dying, when they were all dead, finally the commanding officer who commanded them to die was so touched. There was only 39. They were singing a song, 40 men standing before like this thing he was so touched he gave his own life and went and froze to death wow. that's amazing he says in verse 8 also i say to you whoever confesses me before men him the son of man will also confess before the angels of god but he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of god and anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, I will, it will not be forgiven. Now when they bring you to the synagogues and the magistrates and the authorities, do not worry about what you should answer or what you should say. So many of us are concerned. Would we reject Jesus in that hour? He says, don't be concerned. You see, if you're willing to live your life and die for him, if you're willing to die for him, you'll live for him too. Now when they bring you to the synagogues and the magistrates and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? This man came to Jesus and said, God, you, like, there's an injustice. Someone wronged me. Someone took my money. And he said, who made me an arbitrator over you? 
he touches on some very important things going forward. And he said to him, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. And he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, He said, I will do this thing. First mistake. I will do this thing. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. His retirement was right there. That was his retirement. That was his 401k. Good night. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him what? You fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will be those things which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Hold your finger there. Go back to Revelation chapter 5 or 6. By the silence in the room, I can tell people are thinking. Uh, chapter 3, sorry. Totally missed it. Close enough. Revelation chapter 3, verse 13. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the angel of Laodicea, write These things says the Amen, the faith of, of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I have become wealthy and have no need of anything. And, I, and you do not know that you are poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you, buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you and white garments that you may be clothed so that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eyesalve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Dine with him and he with me. His presence will be with you and among you. He will go before you. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me at my throne, or on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Come back to Luke chapter 12. Verse 21, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Be rich toward God. This is how 
when he said, I counsel you to buy gold from me, he says, be rich toward God. This rich man was not rich toward God. Verse 22, then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. So often the things that we are caught up in are the daily needs and that's what drives us to go commit treason against his kingdom. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Very recently I was very consumed with the need of a new vehicle. <laughs> and um, uh, this thing's not going to last another year. That was three years ago. <laughs> And he said, I'll keep it running. And so I figured out that when I obeyed God and did whatever he asked me to do, that it was running. <laughs> um, last year, this actually, this in November, actually, I, my check engine light came on and it was ve being very disobedient and I had to go get it smogged. As you know, you cannot pass a smog test with a check engine light on. And so to the very day, I went, well, I went and got it smogged and it failed because of the check engine light. And so I, he said, come back and you'll be like, come back in 10 days or so because I had, I had just replaced my battery on it. Um, and I guess there's a timer on the inside. When you get a brand new battery, you, they won't let you take the test again for, until you've had X amount of miles on the battery. And so I came back, I went to Florida, right? Came back. Um, the Saturday after coming home in December, I went to the smog place that I went to before, since I'd already spent the money there. <laughs> and um, my check engine light was still on. And so I was just going in faith, just saying, God, you're going to take care of this, because you said. So I pulled over on the side of the, or in the parking lot, like right before getting there, and I just shut my car off, and I just put my hands on the wheel and said, God, you said you'll take care of this. And so I turned it on, and sure enough, the check engine light was off. But he takes care of all those needs. It was off. He took care of it. It passed after that, and all was well. <laughs> he says, verse 22, Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. So many people are caught up in what's the greenest, healthiest thing to eat today that they are completely sidetracked by reading what does God want me to do today. I don't disagree with eating healthy. I eat as healthy as I can. I have books. I do all those things best as I can. <laughs> Sidelined by donuts occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> but he said therefore I say to you do not worry about your life what you will eat nor about the body what you will put on life is more than food and the body is more than clothing consider the ravens for they neither sow nor reap nor reap which they have neither storehouses or barn and God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds See, you are much more valuable than a bird that was not created in the image of God, that was not commissioned with a message, that was not made a new creature in Christ. They will never judge angels. 
But he says, Consider the ravens, for they neither toil nor reap, which they neither have storehouses nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Here's the question. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit? Can you even grow an inch by worrying? Can you add one inch to your stature? Can you get any taller by worrying? can't. So why are you worrying about your bills? Why are you worrying about your vehicle? Why are you worrying about school? Why are you worrying about sports? If you can't even grow an inch by worrying, if you are not able to do that which is least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they neither grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. You see, that time that you spend in the secret place before your heavenly Father, when you stand there basking before his glory and saying, God, everything to you, you are, your presence is so sweet, your name is so great, the things that you've done for me are outstanding, I can't even come up with words. When you stand there and you just bask in his glory, he said not even Solomon was arrayed like the lilies before the sun. If God so clothes the grass, I was staring at the, the hillsides yesterday, if God so close, actually, everybody recalls the fire that went by last year? Yeah. Just, a, I went, took Caleb, and we drove and, w and went through it all, just all the, the carnage. And it was pitch black on the hills. I was just driving there yesterday as I was driving home, and I saw those very hills, and they were beautiful. <laughs> they were clothed in green, brand new. It was purged by fire. So often the things that happen is just purge, just a purging. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not seek that which you should eat or what you should drink, nor anxious mind. I love saying that in mental hospitals. Nor be of an anxious mind for all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. Oh, Lord, I need a vacation. I need a job that has a month off every year. Two months. Two months. There we go. Let's go to Europe. <laughs> For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need all these things. A month ago, and I was just running ragged, and I was saying, God, I just need a day off. <laughs> God saw to it that I got a day off. Through no circumstances of my own, my car just decided to not work that day. And I walked into my house and said, praise you, Lord, thank you. <laughs> and he paid for it, too. <laughs> he paid for it. Because he knows that you need these things. Do not seek that which you should eat or drink, nor have an anxious mind, for all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But here is the call. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. If you decide that you're not going to be focused on how good your grades can be so you can get into the best college, so you can, or if you're not going to be focused on 
how do I earn the most reputation at my job so I get a promotion? Or if you decide not to be focused on how you're going to pay your bills and you say, God, I'm going to pursue glorifying you and living for your kingdom, he says, all these things will be added to you. If something's added to you, that means it's not earned. That means it's not based off of your credit. I am standing before you today and I do not have a high school diploma. Now, I, didn't, I did go through, finish my senior year and I would have, but it was because my parents couldn't afford to pay the last tuition bill. And every time that I went before God, because this was right at the time when he was getting a hold of my attention, he said, I was going to school. I was doing the thing that I would have to do just to finish that last class and take care of it because they wouldn't let me take my final, which therefore withheld me from walking. But he said, come and pray. Come and spend time with me. Continuously. At school, I couldn't get my mind off of going and putting myself before him. And you know, today, looking back on that, the things that he spoke to me are so important to me. In that time, it was, looking back, it was so formative for me, those times that I spent with him. I would just drive up Chapman, sit on top of Chapman Hill, and stare out over the city and talk to God and listen to what he said to me back. And everything that he said to me up on that hill has come to pass. That's 10 years ago, 2009, 2010, almost 10 years ago. Everything that he said to me in those times has come to pass. The miracles have, the people the Bible studies, the places, every single one of those things that God spoke to me up on that hill have come to pass. But I was so concerned over not having any qualifications for doing anything. I was working at a grocery store, bagging groceries, working in a bakery, in the, in the grocery store bakery. And I was so concerned, God, I don't have any qualifications for all these different things. God said, I'll take care of it. And so for two years, I was standing before God and saying, God, I have no qualifications. Do I go to school? I need to go to school. <laughs> and he said, no. Who are you living for? Are you going to live for you or are you going to put yourself before him and say, God, I will live for you? And so one day after or at church, of all places, uh, my friend Blaze, who's a worship pastor over in Texas now, walked up to me and said, hey, my mom is starting a um, thrift store over in Lake Forest. It was called Restored, and it was on Bake Park in Portola, and there used to be a Mercedes dealership there. So she bought or she rented the Mercedes dealership after they skedaddled and converted it into a thrift store. And so they needed help to knock out the walls, like all the cubicles and all that different stuff were still there. And so he just said, rounding a bunch of people up, can you come help? And I said, or on Wednesday, and so I had nothing to do. It was actually some, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but God did some things. How much time do I got? I got seven minutes. But, um, so I went there on that Wednesday to go help them knock out walls. Um, came back, went back to work, did all my different things that I was doing. Two weeks later, his dad walks up to me and says, hey, I was praying about it and God told me to give you a job. Do you need a job? Didn't ask qualifications. Didn't ask for anything. He said, do you need a job? 
And I said, uh, <laughs> doing what? <laughs> and he said, you'd be my assistant. I'd train you in everything that you need to do um, and all that. And so I said, well, let me go pray about it because I'm not going to make a decision just off of what seems right. I'm going to go to God. I'm going to find out what his answer is. I'm going to see what he says. And I'm going to be led by the peace that only he can give. And so I did. I went and prayed and I had another job offer that I had been given because God had spoken to me in August and said he'd give me a job. And um, God told me to go with this guy who I didn't know. <laughs> uh, who I had no desire to do that sort of a job anyway. I didn't have any desire to go work in an office. I thought it would be more fun to go work out in, in the wild wilderness or doing something different. And office job just seemed like anathema. <laughs> And so I said, okay, God said, go do this. From the moment I got there, it was as if God had made that place tailor fit to me from the beginning. Within, there was a guy who worked there. He trained me in everything that I needed to know. And as soon as I was up and on my own feet, he quit. <coughs> then shortly thereafter, about three months later, the office manager quit and I became the office manager. And mind you, I like tripled salary at the time. Not, it's, don't think these are big figures. These are small figures. But like when you're beginning, it's a beginner job. They're not, it's not a lot. But I mean, $13 an hour and then double that. I mean, that's, that's for a 19, 20 year old, that's a lot. <laughs> that's more than your friends are making at 19 and 20. But, and so immediately, like within a year, I became the office manager of things that, and, and over people with college degrees and making more than they were. <laughs> And so for a 19-year-old, that feels good, but a 20-year-old. But so then began this whole thing of like, okay, I'm outgrowing my position now. What do I do? And even then, God was putting things in my court, stretching me, saying, this is what you need to do, giving me a hunger to do certain things, and me going to him and him saying, yes, it's okay, do it. He took care of all those needs. And so then until now, this has been seven years at that one company, God has taken care of everything and I have not had to worry about anything. I have seen his hand on it time and time again, but he said, seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He didn't stop there. He said, sell what you have and give alms. Alms are what you give to people who don't have money. Provide for yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is in the kingdom, there your heart will be also. Let your waist be girded and your lamp stands burnt and your lamps burning. How do you let your lamp burn? When you seek first the kingdom, when you take your excess or everything that God says to give and give. Remember to the Laodiceans, he said, I counsel you, buy from me gold which does not perish. He said, sell what you have and give alms, provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. Same thing. A treasure in heaven that does not fade away or fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He hits you at your money belt. <laughs> he just hits you in the wallet. 
what are you going to do? And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Gosh, that sounds exactly like Revelation. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. And don't be thrown off by that word servant. The book of Acts said Jesus was the servant of God. So yes, we are servants. Amen. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you, he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. He will come and serve you when you love not your lives unto the death. When you lay down everything before him, just like Stephen, who gave his life and in his dying breath, when he forgave them, Jesus stood to receive the worship and welcomed him home where he would serve him. And so let's close out this meeting. Sobering thoughts. Lord Jesus, have all your glory. Everything for your presence, everything for your namesake. belongs to you let it never be said of us that we live for our own glory let it never be said of us like Herod he did not glorify God Lord Jesus everything for your glory I ask that you would cut leave no stone unturned in our hearts wherever we have placed our treasure Lord I ask that you would reveal it I ask that you would point us where we need to sow where we need to give where we need to do where we need to Maybe it's not even those things. Maybe it's getting aside with you. Maybe, if, maybe that's where our weak point has been, that we have not taken the time to get before you. And so, Lord, right now you are calling us to the secret place, to be with you, to fellowship with you. You are desiring to do things in our midst. These are the signs of a believer, that they will cast out demons, that they will speak with new tongues, that they will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. If those are not the signs that are following our lives, then there is something that is out of place. So, Lord, we present our lives before you today. Have it all, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.